Thank you for joining with us for another episode of Morning Briefings here on the Pipeline Intercession for the President and on our podcast. If you have any dreams that you have about the office of the president, please send them to pip at christiancentershreveport.com. We're so thankful that you all have joined in with us on this prayer journey, and we look forward to standing with you not only today, but in the days ahead. So with that, we'll go ahead and join today's broadcast as we talk about the news and stand on the wall for this nation and the office of the president. Good morning, good morning, everyone. Zach Arsgadding coming to you live from North Carolina, and what a week it has been. Uh, Yes, a crazy day, but God, and some things we want to dive into. We're going to stick domestic, uh, but today we just want to count this journey as all joy and just praise the Lord for being able to join together here early in the morning, praying for not only this nation, but the office of the president. And I just want to simply read James 1 and 2, or 1, 1 uh, and 2, to really uh, set our minds in accordance with the Lord and hopefully keeping our emotions in faith and building up our endurance as James talks about. And even from the very beginning of James 1, James says, James, a bondservant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 disciples who were dispersed abroad, greetings. And so he's obviously addressing the disciples who were spread abroad, who you know, could be lonely, could be going through, through trials and tribulations, um, wherever they may be at this time. And then he says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. And are we not <laughs> involved in various trials, whether it be in our own individual lives, our families, our cities, our state, and our nation? Um, I would beg to agree with this. And then verse 3, going on, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete lacking in nothing and then he goes on to continue but i wanted to focus on those four because we see here that testing and trials will arise jesus told us that and and warned him he's like look you think what they've done to me is bad think about what they're going to do to you and so we want to see this and, and understand that this journey is to produce endurance proverbs talks about it iron sharpens iron refining fire however you want to put it it is you know god tests those whom he loves or disciplines those whom he loves excuse me and so um just cow i i just with all this going on i think it's it's a what a way to be an example for those around us who may seriously be dealing with some stuff as we've seen the rise of use of fentanyl um, and other drugs in this country, which is a, a th- bigger um, issue that is not being addressed with, with what's going on at the border. But at the end of the day, is if we can count on all joy, uh, hopefully not be on some substance, <laughs> and just be a light and an example for the Lord with everything that's going on, from the president to the economy to the war, uh, rumors of wars, um, what's going on with Israel. And so we just want to start there on that foundation and really make sure that we're reminding ourselves that even through all of this, the Lord is building endurance within us for the season ahead as right around the corner, it's going to get heated up again with the next presidential election. So with that, I want to dive uh, right into the news. And uh, I want to start with 
if you saw or haven't seen, I would briefly want to talk about this because I think it's very important because it does have to deal with the office of the president. The issue with uh, and the responses of what's going on with Kanye West and those who are around him, it's obviously started with him going to Mar-a-Lago to meet with Trump. Looks like that was a setup as far as the people who were there with him um, for Trump, and it's coming back to bite Trump in the rear end. And there's those who are familiar with how Trump operates and saying that, look, this is, number one, it's a setup, but there are problems involved. Trump didn't know the people who were there, uh, the anti-Semites who were involved. And so, and and then now you see earlier this week that Kanye West goes on um, Tim Pool's Timcast IRL, a, a YouTube podcast show, and has said some anti-Semitic things, and then Tim Pool uh, just asks him to clarify what he means, and then he walks off set, causes a whole uproar, and then now, last night, yesterday, he goes on Alex Jones to just go off the deep end, wearing a mask, covering his face, saying a lot of things that just don't necessarily make sense, and I, and I want to say this, is you know, he on the Temple show he talked about how he's always grown up with handlers, people who are telling him what to do, and right now he is around people who are handling him in a manner like this. It doesn't excuse anything of what he's saying, but the fact that he announced or wants to try to announce the fact that he's running for president, this is the only reason I'm talking about that because we're here to pray for the office of the president. And I just want to say is he has disqualified himself. Um, with the actions that he's d- done this week. And knowing know this is that the person who is handling him, advising him right now, the, the two of the one of the two people who are that we know of, if not more, is are personally trying to really just tear apart specifically the Republican Party, um, but really showing some extreme religious, um, spiritual, the, the spirit of the rat that we've talked about, of being motivated and operated by that. And that's why we really have to keep our emotions in check. Otherwise, you go down this road. And again, those who bless Israel shall be blessed. Those who curse Israel shall be cursed. And unfortunately for Kanye right now, the just like Mel Gibson, the, the anti-Semitic hate, um, unfortunately, that was within them is coming out and it's destroying them. So if anything, pray for um, a deliverance uh, for him, the people that are there with him, because they are unfortunately misguided, um, and some decisions that they're making are completely reprehensible. And that's why I just wanted to say, let's count it all joy. I mean, it it was crazy. I've seen some of the comments that he had on Alex Jones, and it's just it beyond wild. Um, but I just I'm not gonna give credence or play anything to that. But, but I think it's it's very important. But also know this is that this stuff is happening. Well, right now we're in a lame duck session of Congress, and and people need to be fully aware of what's going on because it will affect them in the next several years. And if we're not praying, staying focused, and communicating with the Senate and congressional officials who are about to vote on some of this stuff, especially when it comes to spending, we're we're getting distracted. And then you wonder why. Well, how can we get to a point where we have $30 trillion in debt as a nation? How can we blah, blah, blah. It's in moments like these. The still quiet moments where, oh, things would be going okay, normal, whatever the case may be. Distraction here, distraction there, distraction. Like, let's stay focused. That's why we want to keep our emotions in check. So with that, let's dive into some of the real news um, that's happening. So with everything that's going on, this lame duck session of Congress, we've talked about it. We paid attention to it. We've seen the disputes from within in the Republican Party, outside the Republican Party, Democrat Party, problems there, disputes between both parties with the White House. 
um, Republican leaders McConnell, McCarthy, and then Democratic leaders right now, Pelosi and Schumer. But I want to break down, I want to stop just yesterday, think about what is the definition of an omnibus spending bill. And, and when you actually go look at it, it's quite interesting. The entire definition is this. Uh, breaking down, obviously, it comes from Latin, containing two or more independent matters. And a synopsis of it is a term frequently used in reference to a legislative bill comprised of two or more general subjects that is designed to compel the executive, the senator, the president, the congressman, to approve provisions that he or she would otherwise reject but that he or she signs into law to prevent the defeat of the entire bill. So that's why they throw in multiple things to try to get things passed. And I think it's a, it's a great example. And obviously, it most, like, most of it turns towards the federal budget, which is, is quite true. Now, I say, okay, so we have that understanding. That's kind of the motivation behind it of why they would throw things in. So there's two schools of thought right now is McConnell and, and President Biden and McCarthy and Schumer and Pelosi or, and McCar- e- e- all, everybody involved of this entire nation. They want to go forward with an omnibus spending bill. McCarthy more so for when the Republicans get in, in leadership position next year to just start a, in his eyes, start afresh. The other thought is a continuing resolution. Basically, you fund the government until the new Congress can come in on the short term and then you let the new Congress decide. That way you know these people are going to be somewhat held accountable because some people got elected out. Some people are retiring. Now, with that being said, you have um, the – it's called the America First Policy Institution, which I think this is quite interesting. Uh, It's described as a think tank founded by former President Trump's top advisors and often referred to optimistically as his White House in waiting has basically come out against this um, decision from McConnell and McCarthy to go forward with the omnibus spending bill, pushing for the continued resolution, which would avoid a shutdown, etc., and really let let those who were elected make this decision who are then going to be held accountable. Because nothing these people do right now, Democrat, Republican, some were voted out, some were voted in, will have any recourse whatsoever. So the decision that they're making now, they have the legal authority to make this decision right now because their authority isn't up, but the hope is that, hey, maybe they will delay it. We'll see. It's going to depend heavily upon what the Republicans do, and right now it's not a good look for for that because for some reason McConnell just caves on these issues for whatever reason. Now, you also have... Um, Janet Yellen coming out on Stephen Colbert, and, and I want to go through this because this is quite interesting to see from the sitting Secretary of Treasury to be on a late night show and, and, and to be just so giddy about the way in the state of the economy. And there are some things she says that I think are, are very interesting and to show the mindset of where this administration is at. So we'll play it in a little You've been called a genius at explaining arguments no, 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 simply no. and clearly. Others have said no. this. I know you haven't said this to yourself, but are you explaining arguments simply and clearly? Can you explain how... Obviously, this is... She's showing a little giddiness here um, of being praised. And so 
the response from this is is it's quite troubling to see from a, a, a official. But he asks a serious question, is saying this, hey, you've been explained as being able to break things down. Can you explain basically well, inflation this? got so high because two years ago everything seemed fine. Uh, even in 2021, or on you and other members of the administration believed that inflation was a small risk. Which is a kind of subtle backhand. Uh, you said it wasn't a big deal, but it's really becoming a big deal. What happened uh, simply and clearly? That's a challenge. That is, yeah. yeah. Uh, so we had a rapid recovery from the pandemic. When President Biden was elected, unemployment was quite high. It was close to 7%. I would agree, but also I would say if you think 7% is bad, let's look at the real number. Because when you add in and if you understand the fact that the labor participation rate was small, they pulled people out who they didn't consider. Um, and this is why they have unemployment rate at such a low rate. And if you understand that of why she's saying 7% is such a high number, but then 3% is, is the low number of where we want to be at. Basic understanding. And look, she, there's nothing to giggle and laugh about. Economics is extremely boring. I've studied it. I got a degree in it. Like laughing about this is, is not a matter because 7% to 3% is a huge number. But then the fact of you're leaving out millions of people in the entire what should be considered the labor force participation rate, which would mean that more people are actually out of work that they're not considering um, is very problematic here. And but we I, put she policies in place that generated a very rapid recovery. Unemployment quickly fell back into the threes. Where is um, it now? Where is it now? Three seven. Okay. So normal, which if it's at a three, seven, there's a problem. Five is around normal. If you have the economy ebbing, ebbing and flowing, well, you wouldn't expect um, just because you had a rapid recovery uh, for inflation to rise very much, if at all. But it turned out the pandemic had very special impacts on the economy. The hairs, all the excuses that they want to blame. Nothing about the stimulus from the previous administration to this administration. Remember, everybody stopped spending on services. They were in their homes for a year or more. Um, they wanted to buy grills and for office furniture. They were working from home. They suddenly started splurging on. That's somewhat true. Goods, buying technology. Um, there was also things not being produced because of the shutdown. You know, we were suddenly working trade and, and routes and supplies weren't coming from wasn't coming to America from China, which is where a lot of the things that we buy here in America come from. And so she goes on to basically just continue to make excuse after excuse, ends up blaming Putin and all this stuff. I bring this out because while we have this debate going on, while we have these things going on, this is what the administration is focusing on. You're also seeing this, and I want to bring this up, this is why we want to pray for this administration. Uh, a report coming out of the Pentagon that shows an estimate that China is working on building up and has been for quite some time their nuclear warheads. And the estimate is 1,000 warheads by 2030. And a full report goes on to say that it's 1,500, um, 1,500 warheads by 2035. That is something to pay attention to. Because at the same time that China's doing that, the Obama administration, Trump somewhat reversed it, and the Biden administration are 
tearing apart, and more so Biden was the more prevailer of this, of tearing apart war, nuclear warheads. Um, could possibly China get some of those from us, buying them from us, like, et cetera. Ukraine's in this position because of what Obama did, uh, uh, of pulling warheads out, breaking them down. And so we just really want to make sure during this season, praying for this administration to have wisdom and fear of the Lord um, and understand that even come this next election, pray for leaders who are aware and in this process, growing and understanding what decisions should be made and, and see right now with China going after this, the decisions that these current leaders are making is the 2024 election is going to be really interesting to see if you, if you continue to pay attention and it'll show where the heart of the country is at. Do we really care about these issues? Do we really care about you know protecting our nation, the freedoms, et cetera, and all this stuff? Or are we going to continue to go down this, this road of voting for other issues that are in disagreement with the Lord, which then causes you to get off uh, um, focus on some of these other issues as far as military and economic issues, energy issues that really affect day-to-day lives of everyday American people. Okay, so we want to continue to pray there, be aware of what's going on, um, and understand that. Now we have a few golden court cases we want to pay attention to. Obviously the one we've been paying attention to this week um, that now is the ultimate end goal of what will end up happening with the uh, student loan forgiveness is we saw yesterday that the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals out of New Orleans basically upheld a Texas judge's ruling to put on hold the actual forgiveness of the student loan forgiveness from the Biden administration, which is in all legal terms looks like a, a complete overreach of constitutional power of the executive branch. And now it is going to the Supreme Court. They are expected to hear the case in February and possibly not rule on it until uh, sometime in June, just like the Dobbs case, uh, overturning a Roe v. Wade. They hear the case, then they wait to release their rulings um, at the end of their term, and then everything starts over um, in a few months after you know they go on their summer break, which is fine. That's just how the Supreme Court works. So that's one case to know. That's in the docket in February when they start hearing that case and it doesn't as things sit right now it doesn't look good for the uh, administration as the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals upheld a lower court's ruling and saying you don't have authority to do this and it's all based upon and this is why he the administration extended the COVID emergency to say well we're in a pandemic this is why we need it this is why we want to help these people but the reality is there's no legal authority for you to do that um, the HEROES Act that they're trying to use doesn't do that. So that's one Golden Court case. We're also seeing in Arizona. I want to point this out because you're hearing a lot of red flags being raised. Um, and a lot of pundits are saying that the emails that Katie Hobbs sent to certain counties in Arizona saying you need to certify or otherwise there's lawsuits coming because the law, the statute on the book in Arizona is that if you don't certify by this date, even if you think there are problems, then there's going to be lawsuits. And what the, these counties aren't showing, number one, is what the problems are in front of a judge. They're saying, well, we want to determine what those problems are. The, problem, the, the reality is you need to do that before a judge. And the statute in Arizona um, says that they actually need to do it after um, – the 
election has been certified. And uh, Katie Hobbs goes on Just the News and, and explains just that. And so to show that this case is still ongoing, I, I want to play her comments here because I think it's, it's very revealing as to what comes next. We were kind of watching Abe's case thinking that he filed it early and knowing what the statute is, we were kind of waiting to see if a judge would accept it. Turns out it, it's not going to happen right now, but he'll refile and, and I'm sure it will be considered after the state certifies the election. I think a lot of people, John, fear that certification word. And while it does sound bad, how do you certify a, 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 shad, a shady, shoddy election? The statute requires that you can't challenge an election until it's been certified. So we're going to follow that statute and we will be bringing forth our lawsuit after the state certifies. And that's when uh, the, the fun begins, I guess you could say. So that's a key point to really understand is that it, you know, all these claims of, oh, they're, they're, they're trying to intimidate, threaten, except let, let's pump the brakes on that a little bit. Um, Because you're seeing that from a lot of, especially right-wing pundits, especially in Arizona, is, look, they're doing what they're legally allowed to do. It may look like intimidation, but for some reason, Arizona has this statute in place that says you have to certify by a certain date. And if you don't, then repercussions for the board of account board of officials, election officials in each county is then held responsible. Why that's the case? Beyond me. But that's the law of the books. It goes back to Daniel 7 taming changing times and laws so after so now we're going to see after the certification which looks like it's going to start on monday once they get done certifying it then the lawsuits and everything will come into play so that explains what's going on there I want to continue to pray for these cases obviously the the a huge issue is the fact that why is katie hobbs involved in this at all if she's running for governor um she should have recused herself i think everybody understands that she's not there's no statute in, in Arizona that says you have to resign if you're running for this position and you reside over the secretary. That's just the law of the land, unfortunately. Should, morally, should she? Ethically? Yeah, probably so. But she's not, and so she's using her authority to her advantage in this situation. Um, but at the end of the day, this has to go before a court in Arizona, and they have to deal with it. And if they are not presented the evidence to show that there's something done wrong, and the question becomes is what do they do after that? Do they have a re Do they have a another election to deal with the disputes do they throw out ballots what goes on because un unfortunately what happened in, in some of these instances in arizona is people left so they didn't even count their ballot they didn't even cast their ballots to have it even be counted or dealt with and disputed in some instances and then there's the host of other things that happen so um what do you do in those situations uh, that's why you always vote no matter what uh, make sure at least you, you put it on paper and then if they do something with it let the Lord deal with it at the end of the day. Um, and hopefully people are trying to understand the realities of what's going on. And the dispute that these people are having as far as the the, the machines and everything not being certified, etc. On paper, they are. And so if there are these major problems beforehand, they should have been dealt with sometime between 2020 and 2022. Not, oh, well, we had the election. Oops, we had mistakes. Now let's deal with them. You had two years to deal with them. They didn't, so... Um, continue to pray there for that case. Uh, then you're seeing the f Congress come in and do what the Biden administration couldn't do, their negotiations, to avert a freight rail strike. And I want to read this quote from the president of the Brotherhood of Maintenance and Way Employments Division, one of the four unions. 
um, head, Tony Cardwell, who said, what's frustrating is that the railroads knew that their backstop is the federal government intervening in a strike. The railroads, if they didn't have this agreement with Congress to backstop them, the railroads would have come running to the bargaining table if they knew that we would have been able to go on strike, but they were relying on Congress stopping our strike, and therefore they bargained in bad faith. That's quite an assessment. Then you have, you know, the seven days um, pay time off for sick or whatever leave that was left out. Again, it talked about how they had the main bill, and then they had the amendment. That ended up not – the amendment for getting that seven days did not pass. You had some Republicans join in, but they just – they fell, I think, two, two votes short, uh, 58. So, um, you know, and, and I talked about how it, it was meant to be more divisive. For the Democrat, in favor of the Democrats towards Republicans, as Bernie Sanders came out and tried to highlight this issue. But also, at the end of the day, is is if Bernie Sanders really cared about these workers and the unions and et cetera and stuff, then why wouldn't he be calling? And obviously, this would be completely against his entire political ideology. But why wouldn't he be calling? If he really cared about them, why would he be calling for the government to not have this power to force the railroads to negotiate with the unions, et cetera? Limited government? Hmm, what a, a, a ingenuine idea there. But obviously that's not the case. Um, he, he even called Ted Cruz a socialist because he voted for the seven days uh, um, of, uh, amendment on the, sick f- on the floor for paid sick leave. So uh, quite an interesting thing that's going on uh, there. So something to, to be mindful of in the future uh, about you know the, the, the ruckus here on this issue moving forward. And then a few things in the Senate that have been happening, which I just want to outline this one because this shows the how the difference between the Republican and Democratic Party work. We're seeing the disputes with the Republican Party be played out with um, the Trump think tank and McConnell, McCarthy, Senator Scott, Ted Cruz, etc. But then you have a quote-unquote a secret ballot cast on Thursday from Democrats to try to – deal with some of the disputes they have within the Democratic Party as they're in leadership. So the vote was basically to say those who are in leadership within the Democratic Party in the Senate shouldn't be over committee chairs. And this is obviously from people who aren't in leadership in the Democratic Party to be able to sit on committee chairs. The vote ended up failing um, so that those who are on leadership can also be involved in committee chairs. And I just point this out for the sole purpose of this shows that there are disputes within the Democratic Party. It's just sometimes you're not going to hear about it because it is behind closed doors. And at the end of the day, you don't know because it was a secret ballot. You don't know where each position and, and each person in the Senate um, dealt with. And this is obviously a party issue within the Democratic Party, but to show that the Democrats do have um, disputes there. Uh, also, you saw them vote forward Hakeem Jeffries as the leader of the House taking over Nancy Pelosi's spot. And I I point this out because he'll be leading the Democratic Party now in the House, dealing and challenging with the agendas from um, McCarthy come January. But also this, know this, is we're really going to see the ideas. um, McConnell goes on the House floor yesterday to talk about his election denying, some other issues he has. But know this is because Jeffries is now in this position, 
he will um, be in the position to be charged with appointing the head of the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee heading into the 2024 election. And he hasn't really talked about it, but the two people who are going to be put up for that position are two Californians, Amy Barra and Tony Cardenas. And so we'll really see what they stand for coming out of this as they will be advising basically who will be the representative for the Democratic Party come 2024 as far as the president is concerned. Does that Joe Biden? Does that mean Kamala Harris? Does that mean Elizabeth Warren? Does that mean Gavin Newsom? Other Democrats? So something to pay attention to and and some of the policies that will he'll be pushing in Congress or defending in Congress, trying to push with McCarthy and leadership, and then come the 2024 election. That's why that one's key, is he'll be helping pull strings. And if you understand anything about him, he's extremely progressive, wants to codify um, what is called the Women's Health Protection Act, which we've gone through, basically Roe v. Wade on steroids. And so we're, we're seeing these things come and play out. And then last thing I want to close with is there's an article um, last year from our, on a podcast episode from a, a gentleman named Camille Foster, who is a journalist and a thinker on certain topics. And one of those topics he talks about is the issue around banning critical race theory in the school boards and looking at the next steps. And he points out, I'll put the link to the article in the comment sections and in the, in the um, show notes for those who listen via podcast. He points out that, look, just banning critical race theory in the schools and at the school boards is not necessarily the end-all be-all. You can do it here, but you still have an underlying issue of why teachers and teachers unions and even going even further, the education system at a higher education level is pushing these type of ideologies. And I bring this article up because this goes on to a host of other issues. Is okay, we're you know, taking back the school boards, getting involved as parents, and those are great things. Don't get me wrong. But to continue on, I know, Arlie, you asked a question before of what do we do next? You know, how do we walk this out? Is it's going to take, you know, what been prophesied of these war babies, next generation, standing up to these ideologies of these people who that they have learned in place? You know, there's this big claim of there's a teacher shortage across the country. There's not a teacher shortage. There is a disconnect from those within school boards, from those within leadership at schools with good teachers who actually just want to teach reading, writing, and arithmetic versus those who want to push an agenda all across this country in red areas and blue areas and purple areas and green areas. It doesn't matter what the political ideology of the area is. There's a disconnect with some things that are how states are running their education systems, involvement with the teachers' unions, lack of teachers' unions. And so I, I just propose this as saying this battle will continue to rage on but let's consider it all joy of understanding that the reason we're here praying the reason we stand up and stand for the faith in a loving mature hopefully um, an emotionally disciplined way 
is so that you can have a future generation that serves the Lord and so their souls can be saved and even the current generation and and, and realizing that this battle is and this journey more so is longer than just the two brief minutes we've been involved it'll be for our life and the lives after of my children's children and after until the Lord returns but we don't know when that is and so now we're called to stand and stand firm on the principles that the Lord has called us to. And so hopefully you can find some comfort and joy in that and understanding that, look, Jesus warned us about this. James is warning about this. And to, to count it all joy in this season and the season ahead as we endure and come across these trials of understanding that it's a testing of our faith and it's an iron sharpening iron moment for us to be able to be representatives for the Lord and for his kingdom so that the gospel of the kingdom can be spread here and throughout the rest of the world. All right, so I'll close with that. And today we, at noon prayer, we're going to go through some uh, recent Chris Reed prophecies, kind of break them down, talk about them, and and see what the Lord is saying, uh, showing Chris as far as not only in this nation, but around the world and, and some recent prophecies he's had. So don't be... Don't forget to, to check us out then or watch us on replay later throughout this weekend. So blessings, and I'll see you guys later. Have a good one.